So I want to become a dog trainer. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs So barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs And barks from the bookshop, Hello! Hi! Hello, we're distanced, we're distancing We are! We're socially distanced podcast today Well, you know... Luckily, we have the technology. We have the power. We live in an age of amazing technology and power. I'll get I'll get to that a little bit later because that that's really has saved my sanity. But anyway, what? what yeah, not nothing much happening in my life since the last time we spoke. Um. Do you know what? I'm actually having a lovely time. 
I know, I know. I felt like sometimes I get a, feel a bit guilty because I've literally, you know, got to do a lot of things that I love doing at the moment. Um, with that huge, with the huge sort of cloud hanging over our heads. Um, but yeah. but um, you know, being able to spend more time with Corin, um, and Penny has been pretty marvelous at the moment. Um, no one that I know has been affected so far. I know that's likely to change as this curve doesn't seem to be flattening as we move forward, but. You know, um, I know. I think we're kind of at at the start of it, aren't we? And yeah. it's gonna in the next couple of weeks, it's gonna get a bit more serious. But, is is um, that singing in the background there? Mm. <laughs> That's grew. That's grew. The loneliest, <laughs> loneliest lurcher call. I'm that the is. loneliest. You've <laughs> locked me in the cupboard. I'm being severely mistreated in the garden. <laughs> only got three beds i can see not that our listeners can see but i can see drax every now and again wandering up to what i believe is known as the vortex it is the vortex yes <laughs> he has not he's not braved it he can go either side of it but he can't go across it it's it's lava and the some, is lava it's also some sort of strange man in your garden by looks of this. <laughs> there's a strange man <laughs> it, i call him my little pixie under the tree <laughs> and he's doing his working from home uh so, yeah, oh, there's Drax. I don't know how you're going to concentrate because he's going to keep appearing. I don't mind. I don't. I like. I like a little. Um, I like a little Drax appearance. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so oh, today yeah. we're talk. We're talking about. Um, well, obviously, um, I think it's going to be a weird one. This one. Um, because yeah. we have got the the one, the only Jane Arden coming on for an Woo-hoo. interview um, about her book that she's just released, Mission Control. Um, I've got it here. It arrived yeah. just before coronavirus arrived. Arrived just before those little bowls with trumpets on. <laughs> it arrived just, <laughs> just in, just literally before that. And when it turned up, I thought, great. Well, I'm going to have a load of time We're to sorted. read this. Yeah. Um, as it turns out, uh, the dog training world went mental. Everyone was yeah. like, oh my God, everything's got to go online. So um, yeah. being being one that loves a bandwagon, I uh, I jumped right on that bandwagon. Woohoo! Um, and... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And sailed in trying to trying to get something online. Um, and I haven't had, I'll be honest, I haven't had much time to read it. I've read bits of it. And what I have read is blooming marvellous. Um, but Jane's coming on. Jane knows this. So I spoke to her earlier on. And um, and what we're going to do is we're going to ask her some questions around it um, and just talk it through. Um, yeah. In it's, the... a, it's a shame, isn't it? Because sometimes we, we share a book as well, which obviously we can't do. No. Because uh, we might, you know, spread the germs. No. So... Um, I have, I've basically, I've, I've seen the cover, um, <laughs> and, uh, one of my lovely friends or our lovely friend Dawn, uh, has, has started reading it and she's told me good things about it. So I think but from... that's as far as I know, really. So I'm kind of going to learn along with the listeners, which is, is new. From what but... I have done, from what I have looked, it looks brilliant. And for all of those people that have got a, a high drive in inverted commons, commons commas dog out there um i i think it'd be a real handy again it's one of these books that we've come across a few of these actually on our on our little journey nat that is it seems to be a a, you know one-stop shop it's got training exercises in there it's got detailed descriptions it's got little sciencey bits it's it's absolutely fantastic and i love the title yeah i know it's brilliant love the title i've i've I've, for, for some time now i've been following jane on facebook following her from afar like some strange stalker <laughs> um, as I often do, uh, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think she's she's 
she's always one for an entertaining post. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to talking to her about the book um, and other stuff. Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, I, I think it would be good of us to talk a little bit about um, how this pandemic, global pandemic now, um, is mm. affecting us, uh, affecting our dogs. Um, one of the things I did want to talk about, actually, is, is, is if you've got a puppy, if you've just acquired a puppy mm. in this time, which is something I'm coming up a lot against, um, you know, how don't you know how not to think, oh, my God, the world's going to fall apart um, uh, yeah. and, and get a bit of information out there about that in some way, shape or form. Um, Socialising is a big one. Yeah, and I think there's the I've seen lots of panicky posts about people how they're going to socialize their dogs you know when we come out of this if it's six months time we're going to have a whole population of young dogs that are yeah um under socialized and i just i don't i just don't see that that is going to be a massive problem if people take it seriously because mm. socialization isn't just about people and dogs it's about um traffic noises being left alone um, you know, playing appropriately. So there's loads of other stuff you can be cracking on with. It's exactly. not like everything has to go on hold in a cupboard. Um, <laughs> yes, of course, there are going to the, the puppies that are out there today are going to miss out on free play with other dogs. Yep. There's no denying that. Um, and, you know, maybe missing out on being handled by people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still plenty that people with puppies um, can and should be getting on with, really, to give their puppies the best chance. Um, and uh, really, I see that there's there's just no other option because we're in no. unprecedented times. I completely agree with um, the RCVS decision to go for emergencies only in veterinary clinics. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of people are up in the air with their vaccinations, whether they're boosters or whether they're kind of um, the end of puppy vaccinations. Um, but I, I don't think the veterinary profession should be putting themselves at any um, unnecessary no, risks, no. really. Um, and, you know, there are, there are things you can do, like, like we would suggest to puppy owners that haven't finished their vaccinations. Um, yeah. It, it, we know when things were normal um in, in a funny way you might get you, you might get the flip reverse because normally what people do do is do a lot of socialization that involves dogs and people and then maybe the other side of it the side that we're gonna have to concentrate on now falls a little by the wayside perhaps is that fair enough to say i don't know but yeah, um, i think so and i think also we we see it all the time of dogs that have been inappropriately socialized so remember socialization has to be appropriate and at a level that dog can cope with yeah. and you know for some dogs going down the park and being off lead with 10 other dogs uh, that we don't know is is not appropriate um no. and so uh, i i don't know maybe i'm in a, a very different situation from a first-time dog owner um uh, but i you know, I have rescue dogs. All mm-hmm. of mine are rescues. They're, God knows what went on in their sensitive um, periods. But, you know, over time, um, you can still learn some social skills. Obviously, it's not perfect because it's not within that sensitive developmental stage, yeah. um, which is all the more reason to, to carry your puppy out, you know, um, sit out the front of your house and watch people going by. You know, um, I don't know about you, but I've, I've 
sat out the front of my house just so the dogs can still get used to you know watching the postman arrive yeah. and uh, there are loads of people out jogging and taking their exercise so yeah. you can still do that oh yeah a person's going past here you go have a treat um and the same with cars so um i think there's you know it, it, obviously it's not going to be perfect i'm not pretending that and, no. and we probably will see some behavioral fallout um once things get to normal and these dogs reach adolescence but there's still lots you can do yeah get busy i i, I said yeah. to someone um the other day about you know just make a make a list of or think about the environment, the immediate environment you're living in. There'll be loads of things you can do, loads of stuff, yeah. you know, sights, sounds, going outside, if kids are playing out the front, going outside, yeah. just holding on to them. Um, there'll be loads of stuff, getting them used getting them used to handling stuff. That's something that I always, always um, struggle with in classes a little bit, the handling thing. I think most people think because they've been playing, cuddling, they don't have to work on things like... Uh, like equipment, like collars, yeah. harnesses, yeah. vet, um, you know, getting them used to or getting them ready for vet in, um, yeah. uh, interactions. Hus- blah, blah, blah. Husbandry stuff. Yeah. Husbandry yeah. stuff, exactly. So there's like loads and loads of stuff you can do. Um, loads, just loads. And, and how many puppies do we see that have issues with their collar harness lead? Um, because we're often in... Um, the mindset of get it on get out yeah now if you're not going out you could spend all day every day getting your dog loving your harness so that you do a few treats put the harness on go and play in the garden come back take it off a few treats put it on give them their lunch take it off i've got to admit i uh, your um your little jack russell fish has got one of the best conditioned emotional responses to his <laughs> to seeing his <laughs> harness and lead i think that might be because for the first sort of like you know 12 months of his life he, he visited pubs and got chips basically yeah <laughs> basically i mean <laughs> welcome to my my world of dog training yeah, it's important for me to go to the pub with my dog and therefore that's what we do honestly if we walk past the van now um he's like uh no where where are we go what is this walk i don't understand we go in the car and we go somewhere <laughs> normally somewhere with chips exactly exactly <laughs> So don't worry, people, um, I guess is what we're saying. I, we understand yeah. that you can be nervous and, and worried about how it's all going to turn out. But don't worry, there's loads of things you can do, loads of things you should be doing. Um, and that, you know, and that in itself will go a long way to helping. Um, you can socialise at an older age as well. I mean, I'm only just now learning social etiquette myself. So <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I'm testament to that. <laughs> Constantly failing, but, um, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, it is, it's, a, it's a fluid process that continues through your lifetime. It's exactly. just that dogs have this, uh, you know, all, all um, animals will have some sort of developmental period um, where their brain and their kind of uh, emotional and physiological makeup is, is just pointing at social skills. And with dogs, that sensitive period, that first one, is from about six to... 12 14 weeks so there's, there's some sort of like why, controversy about this time frame at the moment yeah it's changed it changes yeah. all the time depending on what research you use um, and breed, is it right in breeds as well is yeah be different so there's well, been yeah. some studies on german shepherds that, yeah. which is why i now say from six weeks because i just think well actually you know if you get started a bit sooner most most people's dogs are with the breeder at that time anyway mm. so if you're if you're going to a responsible breeder they've already you know done a couple of weeks for you hopefully um yeah 
uh, or if you're getting a, an older puppy from a rescue environment, then, you, you know, if you're aware that they might have missed this stage, then you know what to then um, kind of push on with. Um, but I think it, I think appropriate socialization is a bit of a science anyway. Um, and uh, the reason that there's always been this kind of general pressure of, you've got a ticking time bomb, you know, get out there, meet as many people, meet as many dogs, do this, do that. And people do see it as a tick list, but it's got to be a tick list that is, is kind of evolving. So, you know, you're not flooding your, your puppy. So, and if you're not aware of that term flooding, it just basically means putting them in at the deep end where they can't cope and, and no learning can take place. So, um, you know, always beware of, of flooding. I always, um, I use as a little, uh, little um picture to put into people's minds at puppy classes about flooding is is the difference between being in a, a quiet cul-de-sac where a car drives past every now and again versus going to the side of the m25 and going here's cars <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? completely <laughs> yeah that's that's a really good way of looking at it I've always completely like that. i'm talking you about know, breeders I, do you do you remember yeah. when we went to um dr ian dunbar's seminar that really weirdly happened in my home village which is a tiny little village but anyway he turned up and he did a seminar there i don't know how that worked but he was talking a lot about how breeders what they can do already before the pups even leave you know and and go off um and and all of the stuff they could do in order to socialize get them used to toilet training and and playing tuggy toys and stuff like that and that really inspired that really he had that cool um diagram didn't he where he split their their areas into sleeping toiletting and play areas yeah um yeah that was really good that was weird that it was just around the corner as well doing a worldwide tour stopping in Burzeldon what on earth was that about well Burzeldon you know god's country now isn't it (laughs) it was good for us because we could walk there I know I literally walk there I literally walk there and that doesn't happen does it it just doesn't happen unless you usually like oh god how am I going to get to Birmingham yeah brilliant Right, well, let's have a. We're going to do a bit of a, a, a deeper dive, a deeper dive into mission control. Um, but uh, don't worry, peeps out there, when it comes to socialization, puppy, socializing puppies. Yeah, um, easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. Um, and can I just do a little plug there as well? Yeah, because, of um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about um, how COVID 19 is affecting us all and work. But if you have got a puppy right now, you are in one of the most amazing positions because you have pretty much every global expert on dog behavior at your disposal because none of us can work. So we're all sat at our computers hoping desperately that people are going to book up a remote consultation and talk to us for our advice because we can't come and see you. So if you're socially isolated usually and you're thinking, wow, I'm going to have to drive two hours to my nearest puppy class. Now you don't have to. We it's come to you. online. Yeah, exactly. So By the power of know, Zoom. Exactly. <laughs> everyone's becoming uh, a Zoom expert. Use them. Yeah, I know. Everyone's panicking. All the, all the technophobic dog trainers that are used to just standing in a field are suddenly like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Never before have so many uh, online courses been released in one week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Across I the know. globe. But like we were saying about technology, it's absolutely, it's made it brilliant. People are releasing free things to do. Um, yeah. I, I I went on a virtual tour of some uh, museums in Florence nice. this morning. Yeah. Very nice. I was going to say I did that there's... when I was sat on the toilet, but I probably shouldn't mention that. <laughs> well, you just did. So. But there, there's the beauty of technology, folks. Yeah, <laughs> <Right there. laughs> yeah. 
and you know some of the um some of the conferences that I would have loved to have gone to this summer, like the, the for example, mm. there's the IAABC conference that was going to be held in Boston. I mean, there's no way I could have afforded the flights or or the time off traveling over there. But now they've switched it to online, so I can go. I couldn't ever go Amazing. to Boston. I, I like. I've got a problem where I I if ever I go anywhere with an accent or a oh, me too. foreign or anything. I try to, I try to become it. And in Bo- yeah. Boston is one of my favorites. I love a yeah. comedian called Bill Burr and uh, he's from what Boston. What is Boston? It's like, hey, you walk in here. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> no, New, that's York, New York. It's it? more like, get some water. Give me some water over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like that, isn't it? Oh, well, like Casey Affleck. Yeah, you Boston? call me a lady. Yep, Affleck. The Afflecks, they're Boston, aren't they? They're from, um, what do they call it? Ah, oh, it's a place in Boston that's quite famous, but a rundown place. Anyway, I got some water. Are you a lady? <laughs> you a lady with some water? Can you only say that one sentence, though? Because most of my accents, I can yeah. only say the one sentence <laughs> I practice. Yes, yes. Everything I can only do in one sentence, which is why I should never go to Boston. <laughs> so I can either order water about... or, a, or a lady, which or doesn't lady. go down very well, does it? Right, let's move. On that note, <laughs> let's funnel forward, shall we? Okay, all right. No, you pricked my eye. Da, 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 I pricked my eye, and my prick my eye is pretty good this time. Actually, I'm quite quite excited about this uh, because uh, there's a little section in the book, it's page twenty three, chapter one, on what's going on, um, and it's called "When a Dog Flips His Lid." <laughs> oh, like nice. <laughs> um, and I'm going to read it out because I'd like your your um, opinion on this. It's quite a nice okay. analogy used in it. You'll like this, I think. So, um, when a dog flips his lid, we have all had days when our dogs completely lose the plot. I know I have, definitely. Um, Dr. Daniel Siegel, an internationally recognised educator and practising child psychiatrist, has developed a hand model of the brain, which he uses to help us visualise what's going on in the brain. It goes on to talk about this. So, so like the wrist, so if you you hold your hand up, the wrist is the brain stem, the thumb positioned in the palm of the hand is the limbic or hot system which regulates arousal emotion and fight flight responses the fingers are the cortex or cool system which is the top part of the brain and wraps over the top of the limbic system so your thumbs kind of you know how they tell you not to punch people with your thumb inside your fingers you do that okay so wrist is the brainstem thumb is the limbic or hot system and the fingers wrapped over the thumb is the cool the cool system this enables thinking and reasoning the front part called the prefrontal cortex regulates the limbic and brainstem areas too much pressure or stress on the cortex um uh cause oh sorry sorry too much pressure or stress causes the cortex lid to flip open and thus the brain has lost all ability to think so that cortex which wraps it over if that flips open we open up um the the thummy part which is the limbic or hot system uh therefore if your dog flips his lid you need to stop take a breath give him a time out to enable recovery i really like that that yeah, idea. I like that. It's really, really cool. Have you had any uh, moments where your dogs have lost the plot? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I live with two terriers, don't I? Yeah, I so it's a daily occurrence. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I think, I, I mean, not in a training sense, because I don't tend to do that much, you know, 
yeah sure training like and by that i mean um task orientated training like Uh you know for sports or anything like that so i don't put pressure on them in that way but i guess sometimes they can um uh, get overexcited in the garden for example if there's another dog barking somewhere else and then that's a moment where we just need to go in and i think it's having the understanding of all that neuroscience that you so eloquently summarized for us um is it really allows you to appreciate that actually at the moment the best thing i can do is go in and have a cup of tea yeah yeah actually and it is relative to everything that's going on in our lives as well at the moment we had a moment today we we took penny out for a little walk today and went went past my mum and dad so we could wave at them for a patio door because they are socially isolated because they've got high oh, risk. Sweet. How um, are they doing? Are they okay? Yeah, they're doing all right. Um, uh, I had to, I don't know if you saw the video the other day, the only the only thing that's been annoying me is I've had to, or they're, they're tasking me with going out and buying their newspapers and their Sun and Daily Mail readers, which... Um, I saw this. So against my ethics, I can't even tell you, but I did, <laughs> I, did um, I did give in yesterday and buy my dad a Sun, bless him think he was going to be climbing the walls without it um so uh yeah i did i had bought them i made a little video i bought them the, the observer and the guardian instead for a couple of days just for the... a bit of balance <laughs> they weren't happy. i feel like you could have some real fun delivering your dad his newspaper yeah i mean get him the sun but then you know tipex bits out draw yeah. funny faces on people you know <laughs> you could really go for it cover up the topless models do the crossword but do it wrong do it wrong really wrong (laughs) that's the kind of thing that that would really wind my dad up (laughs) going back to when we were walking penny so so we we thought it'd be good so my mum and dad have done really quiet road and it leads to a um a a nice wooded area so we walked up there but i thought bound to not see many cars today penny's quite reactive to cars um but you know lo and behold on the way back we saw a couple of cars and she she first one okay second one she was building yeah. and building and building so yeah like having that that hand sort of thing it gives me a real idea it gives me a real i like visual stuff i um yeah I, i'm gonna put it down to that's how i like to learn not the fact that i walk around like a 12 year old every day but um but i <laughs> i like that it's a cool it's a cool way of looking at it a cool way of thinking and the fact that it's in the book's a really really cool one so that pricked my eye nat so it should have as well. So it should have as well. So let's. Um, I I think for. Um, well, let's let's move on to. We're going to have a, an interview with uh, with lovely Jane, um, who has agreed to talk to us today about mission. I know control. we're very lucky, and I'm very much looking forward to speaking with her because I haven't had the opportunity to read the book, so I'm basically cheating and getting the kind of audio book version from the author. Exactly. We're very, very lucky on me. I've got a, I've got yeah. a, a bio here, if you don't mind me reading out a little bit okay. about Jane Arden. So uh, Jane Arden is a leading dog trainer and behaviourist in the UK who specialises in issues concerning working and performance dogs. Recognised as a hands-on realist, uh, Jane combines an academic background with extensive practical experience as an in-the-trenches trainer. In-the-trenches trainer. I like, <laughs> I like that. In 2016, she was Kennel Club Dog Trainer of the Year. In 2012, Jane graduated with uh, an honours degree in canine behaviour and training from Hull University, achieving the highest grade ever given in the advanced instructing module. Wow. She, yeah, I know. Wow. Wow, indeed. She was invited to return to university to teach on the foundation degree course and went on to study for a level three award in education and training. 
She was also given recognised teacher status up to level six in canine related subjects. Jane has lectured for COPE, C-O-A-P-E, the internationally course provider for animal behaviour. So you go, you'd know all about that one, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh, Jane owns uh, Wagga Wuffins. I love that name. Wagga Wuffins. brilliant. Canine College, which provides puppy, pet dog training and a practical instructor training program. She provides online support for a membership community for other enthusiasts and professionals and is the creator of um, Smart Pup, which I want to ask her about in the interview, a puppy training subscription box. Uh, Jane is Ooh, a that member. That sounds exciting. It sounds like a brilliant idea. I'm not. Yeah. Jane is a member of the Professional Speaking Association, the PSA, and has spoken at seminars and events all over the UK. I like this. This is the last bit's the best bit. So Jane says she has learned the most when knee deep in mud in a wood full of pheasants, rabbit, and deer, applying the classroom theory to the real world. Her mission is to help people who are looking for a positive positive and ethical solution to problems around excitement arousal drive and predatory behavior there we oh, go sounds great so she's a, a very clever lady and oh, very yes. very experienced so yeah. um, i'm sure a lot of people um if they haven't um sort of read stuff from her or uh even seen that her books out are going to really benefit from uh, her words of wisdom. And something you brought to my attention, which I didn't know, she's a pretty nifty in the Land Rover as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's heart-stopping stuff. <laughs> well, there you go. A, a human of many, many talents, Jane Arden. She really is. Yeah, she really is. She's, she's brilliant. Shall we talk to her then, Nat? What do you reckon? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's go. I really liked your little Kermit meme that you put up the other day, actually. I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was feeling like at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I've done, the, uh, I've done the normal podcast thing. I've already started recording, obviously. Um, it's okay. It's the way, yeah. it's the way we do it, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I, well, I, I think it's absolutely amazing. What, how involved this book is. I mean, I've, I've obviously flipped through um, a fair amount of it, and I have read, I have read big old chunks of it. Um, I really, really like it. It's really, really good what I've read so far. And what I guess first question is this is the always always the first question. Um, why why did you want to write it? Why did you want to write Mission Control? Well, um <laughs> I got asked by the publisher. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um Yeah, so I'd um I got a message from a performance dog. Um, asking if I'd be interested in writing a book on, firstly, they asked me about writing a book on motivation. Okay. Um, and I met up with a publisher and we had a little chat and I was like, well, I, you know, so I, I, I had Liam Burgers for 20 years, so we used to do a lot of motivational effort. <laughs> <my training. laughs> um, and then eventually after 20 years, I accepted my breed limitations and got cockers. <laughs> <laughs> you went you went from naught to yeah. five thousand yeah. really, didn't you, with your free choice? Um I think so you enjoy yeah, being but... stressed, don't you? Yeah, I was like, so 
I thought I was quite a good dog trainer and then I got some cockers. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know the dread you feel when they come into class. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I've gone the other way around because I started off with a collie. So now anything is easy. Peasy, yeah. Easy peasy. Not cockers. I'm not counting them in that. <laughs> They're in a they're in a class of their own. Cockapoos, yeah. cockapoos, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we had a chat, and I said um, that a lot of the stuff that I was doing was I was doing my um, crazy canines course mm-hmm. um, as a as a live workshop, and I was also doing my stock come click, which was predatory chase. And um, so we had a little chat and decided to kind of go down those lines. So it was originally going to be called Controlling Crazy Canines um, because that was what my course was. Um, But then as kind of time went on and on and on (laughs) um, and the book evolved um, as I was changing. So every time they kind of sent me a chapter back to kind of add some bits to um, I ended up like adding the extra stuff. Yeah. Um, so it really changed. I mean, it, it was it was three years. Wow. <laughs> book, um, for me for me to do it. Um, so yeah, and then we kind of had a big discussion about the title and so on, and and that was it was a title that the publishers came up with. Oh. We were saying before we really like yeah we really love the title yeah. I think it's brilliant yeah. yeah 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 really good I mean you talk about three years I wrote it's a it's a kids book I wrote an illustrated a child's book and that took me six years and it's got about right. it's about one eighth of the thickness of <laughs> of mission control so don't worry you're all right I think three years is good <laughs> cool that's that's okay then. I guess it's really hard when you start these projects because. You want to make sure that what you'd written in the early days is still relevant three years on. Yeah, yeah, and 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 kind of just over those those three years, some some stuff had changed as we were writing, and I was like, oh, you know, I want you to take that out and put this mm. in instead. So yeah, just over three years, it um it had kind of evolved. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of strange because I'm not very good at writing. When I did my degree at university, um, most of my assignments were pretty shocking. Uh, I always say to people, the only reason I passed was because of my practical grades were kind of in the 90s, and normally my written stuff was somewhere in the 50s, 60s <laughs> if I was lucky. Um, so to write a book was uh, quite a personal challenge for me because I really mm. didn't think I'd probably be able to do it. Um, most of what I do is is practical stuff so I do workshops talks um, I'm not really the kind of person who does written stuff so it was it was kind of a personal challenge for me to be able to do it as well um, and quite a painful process I have to say yeah. <laughs> personally um, actually writing I wouldn't say I enjoyed it <laughs> no it's kind of uh, I've um there's this phrase called type two fun, which is it's more fun when it's finished. Yeah. yeah and like now it's there and it's done. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. it. It's good. <laughs> but I didn't enjoy <laughs> writing it at all. <laughs> so um, one of the things, um, the bit, the bits that I have um, looked at, that I picked out some really, really cool stuff from, from just glancing across. Um, I love obviously chapter one, what's going on um i love it when you're talking about the genetic go-to responses 
of different breeds and and how and how you were incorporating that and in, into into how you should approach this whole thing and i wondered if you could just talk yeah. talk a little bit about that jane um it's just really I, I work with a lot of pet owners and i work with a lot of pet owners who have got um working bred dogs lots of drive um kind of living in in a in a different environment to what they're genetically selected to, mm-hmm. to, to to do and i find a lot of my pet owners um often have no idea um what their dogs were bred to do and um you know i've had clients who've been absolutely devastated because they're cute little floppy-eared cockers just caught a pigeon in the back garden (laughs) best day ever Um, um, and then and then they're kind of absolutely horrified when we have a discussion that they are um kind of bred and involved in 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 field sports or blood sports depending on Mm -hmm. (laughs) the terminology you use um so a lot of it's about helping people understand that you know dogs do have these go-to behaviors and and they're going to have traits that that just happen and then they're going to have other behaviors that are going to happen under pressure um and for me it's about recognizing um dogs behavior is driven by their emotional state yeah and arousal levels and recognizing that what happens as a result of the emotional state can be completely different in different breeds. And I think in the book, I use the example of the Spaniel, if it's scared, it'll pee itself. Yeah, I love this. (laughs) Um, And the the Terrier will will stand up for itself. And the poor Terrier. (laughs) I don't know what you mean. Me and and Nat have both got Terrier. But the poor terrier gets in trouble and is frowned upon because of its behaviour. But actually, you know, these dogs are both expressing the same emotion is that is that they're frightened. Yeah. And you also put in in that passage about the fact that if you push the spaniel to a certain point, you know, you'll likely see the The same. Yeah. 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 You'll see the same behaviour. And I think for me, a lot of the breeds like spaniels, which I will class as soft, is they end up being put under excessive amounts of pressure because um their behavior from a human perception point of view is 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 it's acceptable and we we let it happen and we tolerate it Mm. because it doesn't cause us any harm yeah Yeah, if you've got jack russell you're crossing the park when you see another dog (laughs) (laughs) if you've got a spaniel you're going to put them in those sorts of situations where you know maybe too much going on too much flooding and yeah yeah. and 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 i often say you know with my cockers if you if you frustrate a cocker what will often happen is they just kind of get more frantic and busy Mm. um and it's not costly to the owner Mm. so the owner will put the dog under more pressure Whereas, you know, if you put a Malinois, for example, under that kind of pressure and frustration, it would probably be costly to the owner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's maybe why when we see um, resource guarding cases with, with Spaniel breeds, for example, um, it's almost kind of so much further down the line than if we were to see a terrier um, who is more likely to go into that behaviour more quickly and so if it's a if it's a spaniel i, I mean the case load that i've seen i know that yeah. it's by the time i get called in it's quite serious and the dog is you know uh, has really injured them um and it's quite quite severe guarding type behaviors 
Um, obviously, there's lots of factors involved there, but I wonder if if that kind of group of, of breeds are able to withstand a bit more pressure and react to it differently. By the time you've lost that opportunity and they're in kind of aggressive mode, uh, defensive mode, we've maybe gone a lot further than we would with a breed that would be happier to, to swear at us. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, and I think um, with with the Spaniels is often they will end up being, you know, the resource guarding potential is absolutely there. I think it's a very breed-specific problem and a very mm. breed-specific behaviour. And um, what kind of triggers that is is usually a variety of, of factors going on. Um, so the example I always say to people with resource guarding is, is if you want... Um, a spaniel that is a, a good hunting spaniel that is good at its job um for that dog to go and pick game up often its terrain is challenging um so it may need to kind of swim through an icy river it might have to crash through some brambles and cut itself um up and down kind of the side of mountains and so on and then it's got to pick a bird and sometimes um, the bird isn't dead, sometimes the bird is injured and some of the cockbirds will fight back. So the dog's got to be tough um, enough to kind of withstand the challenge of its job. It's then got to pick that up, it's got to bring that back to you um, and not drop it and not let go of it. So the, the genetics required for, for the dog to have something in its mouth and keep hold of it regardless of what's going on. But then what we also need with the Spaniel is we need that intense kind of drive, but we also need them to be soft and biddable so then they'll hand it over to you. Mm. And often what happens is, is when Spaniels are not being bred for the job, and for example, one's being bred for the way that they look, are these days fancy colours. Mm -hmm. um, you, suddenly when you unbalance that softness and biddableness with, with that drive and that prey drive, um, things, things start to go wrong. And again, if the dog's challenged and you add fear and defence, mm. then, then, then that's where your resource guarding comes in. So I do think, you know, a lot of Spaniels are saying that that kind of, desire to have and hold and keep something is actually a desirable trait yeah. <laughs> yeah with regards for the with regards to the dog for the dog to be able to do its job um yeah and you often find that they've been challenged and put under pressure and because they're fluffy people don't take them seriously at the start yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um and the the, the carrying is obviously a, a massive part of their you know repertoire and so i think yeah. if people kind of treat them with those you know kid gloves as a puppy and they're taking things off taking things off yeah. then yeah. you can see that how they end up down this route i think i always go on. i always use um when i got um when i got stig as a puppy i remember the first time i threw a toy out to him and um, he ran out he picked it up and he took it to his crate and that was eight years old, eight weeks old, sorry. And I remember thinking, oh, there's some genetics there where he's not got that desire to come back in. So I recognised that and did loads and loads of object exchanges with him. And even when he would come in and he'd never had anything negative happen to him, sometimes when I'd take something off him, even though I was rewarding him with food, he would pee. 
and wow. I could see that there was this genetic you know it was real that could see there was conflict in it and you know he's a soft dog so he was doing this but you could still see that he was finding it really difficult and I remember um, I'd done loads of work with him and we were you know we were doing okay but I could see this conflict and then one day um, he grabbed a scrunchie a hair scrunchie off the table and I just went, oh, what have you got? And he swallowed it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, oh, my God, why have you just done that? And then my daughter came home and I said to my daughter, I said, Stig swallowed a scrunchie today. And she said, oh, was it that white one? So I said, yes. She said, he stole it yesterday and I took it off him and told him off. <laughs> Ah, I've been waiting for his moment that whole time. And I was just like, and from that day on, he actually became obsessed um, with stealing and swallowing. Wow. Oh, that's that's the scary place to be, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just remember thinking to myself, one incident, all that work I'd put in, and Mm -hmm. just one incident of him being challenged. And I think as well, I always use it as an example because I'm like, it, it's a completely non-confrontational way mm. of resource guarding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, with, without having to challenge anybody. And I remember one day he actually, um, he grabbed the wooden, big wooden spoon off the side of the kitchen um, and he actually bit the spoon in half trying to swallow it. <laughs> wow. Um, on, on a plus note, I'm guessing with the scrunchie, during the next week you had a nicely presented poo yes it passed through (laughs) (laughs) all tied up nice Um, (laughs) yeah and so what I had to do with him was was strategically place things that were too big for him to swallow oh wow yeah (laughs) so he could take them and then we could work on exchanges I mean he's a working gun dog and he's absolutely fine now but I remember I was like you know I'm meant to know what I'm doing and this behavior just triggered on intensely on on one incident of, of him being of him having a negative experience. I mean, the, the, and it just shows you how easy first time dog owners can end up getting themselves into situations because absolutely. that's you know one trial learning, isn't it? And it's yes, mm. it's learning something that we don't want him to learn, but how do you was, prepare for that? And yeah. I think you know I'm I'm really fascinated about. Um, genetic predispositions and breed specific traits and I think that um we all need to to know what our dogs might have the blueprint and the motivation to do um because I think there's been so much out there about not labeling dogs and going oh well it's a terrier of course it does this that people have shied away from actually talking about what the the dogs are are bred to do um but actually having an understanding of course there are going to be outliers and you know you you take your dog's personality into consideration but fundamentally if everybody read up about the breed they were getting and I don't mean fluffy books that say you know good with children (laughs) I mean (laughs) in in the old days what were these dogs selected to to do I think that would really help a lot of people yeah definitely i mean definitely. we talked to um Turid rugas um 
on the first ever episode of this podcast and she was saying that what what tends to happen is we all we all go this way and then we march too far that way you know down that yeah. line and then we, mm. and then it goes the other way down never are we sitting in this ideal sort of area in the middle where where everyone should be and yeah. i think like you're saying in terms of you know breed specifics and things like that that's another one of those areas where you know we seem to have gone too far one way seems to cause yeah i think and i always say to people i think we do that when we train our own dogs as well you know if you if you if you're an experienced dog person i always say you know um you don't make the same mistakes you just make different mistakes (laughs) (laughs) um and you can end up so one of the things um when i got pickles my first cocker i was so excited about having a motivated dog that we just did stuff did stuff did stuff and she ended up in a very heightened over aroused state um and what happened then when i got stig was i was very conscious about training him in in low arousal and keeping his arousal levels down and then what happened was um i took him on his first shoot and he was managing himself so well but then um when he knew the birds were in the cover he wanted to get in but he didn't want to hurt himself And because he wasn't in a heightened state of arousal, he could feel the pain. So I ended up with a dog that squeaks (laughs) in in frustration. So I'd gone completely the other way in, in, and what I realized was um, that was my big lesson that I learned that not only did I need to teach cockers to be calm sometimes, but I needed to teach them to control themselves when they're in arousal because they've got to be in arousal to do the job well. Yeah but then also controlled so yeah i think we everything we do in dogs is often we go we do go from from one extreme to the other i think what one of the things about the book that i love actually on the blurb in the back it's described as an emotionally centered choice-based training program which is brilliant but it goes a real long way to look into the emotional side of things um i've I've seen loads of bits about it one of the ones that really caught my eye was uh, um the stress section on picking up whether your dog is stressed i like that a lot because i think people um i mean i see a lot of people not being able to read when dogs are stressed or worried um and i think it goes a long way to helping with that in the book there's a lovely little section on that as well um i wondered if you could talk a little bit about picking up on the signs that your dog might be stressed yeah, so I think um, we're very uh, goal. I think we're, you know, as, as us as a species, we're very goal focused. We're taught to be goal focused, and often we can get carried away with with our goals, which are usually observable behaviours, and we start to or, or we start to not see the big picture. Um, people don't recognise that their dogs that their dogs are under pressure, their dogs are under stress. Um, I always use the example of you know look at the whole dog. Um, I remember on my first stop come click course, um, and we did um, we did an assessment of the dogs, mm-hmm. um, and what was interesting was the dog that did the sit stay for the longest. Um, the owner was really pleased. She was like, my dog was the best. Um, but I was, I was like, the dog's completely in the wrong place. The dog was shaking. It was whining. It was fidgeting. And for me, I was like, it, I was, it's sitting and it's staying, but it's not in the right place emotionally. So that dog will be, the option is to chase the rabbit. 
because they're hedonic creatures and they're going to go for the most emotionally <laughs> positive yeah. experience from their point of view. Um, and this is where I talk about when you're training behavior um, as a positive trainer, because the dog always has a choice to do that or not do it, um, it has to be an emotionally positive choice from, from the dog's point of view. So for me, it's really important when we're training dogs that we attach the right emotion. And the key to that is observing frustration, pressure, yeah. stress, because the dog will never choose to be stressed. Yeah. 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 Um, and for me, for me, that's the key to getting true self-control. And yeah. the difference between um, you can manage a dog, you can tell a dog to sit and the dog will sit um but if it's emotionally in the wrong place and it's just doing it because you've asked it to do it then to me it's always on the edge and that dog's for me working in the field with my dogs that dog's a liability mm. if it cannot you know it, it's for me it's about the dog being able to manage itself and make the right choices um because you know um, I'm not always the quickest, sharpest person myself under pressure and it's easier for me as a trainer if the dog's managing itself I'm completely with that I am with you 100% and you know I say that to all my clients as well and I'm like look I train this way because I'm not into commands because it means I have to pay attention and I have to be quicker than them (laughs) and I'm not (laughs) absolutely Um, and one of the things I teach is is an auto sit to flush and an auto sit to movement and what I'll say is then when the deer gets up and flies off Um, you get an auto sit and that's a choice-based behavior from the dog. And that just gives me seconds for my brain to (laughs) come out of woman panic process (laughs) and then get in there and do something about it. Where if the dog's going to go into chase, by the time I've panicked, grabbed my whistle, put it in my mouth, it's probably in the next county. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How, I mean, I, I hear a lot, nothing, nothing out there is more exciting than a squirrel for my dog. You will never, I'll never be able to train my dog to look at a squirrel and come back to me or do any of these things. You know, what would you say to the, to the, to these people? What would you, what, how would you, how would you bring them in? How would you guide them into the Jane Arden way of training dogs and, and let them know that there is a way of doing this? Hedonic animals, they think, you know, it's about what makes them feel good. Um, When they're chasing, it's obviously a predatory impulse that is triggered. Most, you know, I say to people, I use treats. When you see me training, I might have a pocket full of cheese. I go, but my dogs are not doing it for cheese. Mm -hmm. Um, It it might look like that, um, but it's about the whole picture. It's about about mindset. It's about motivation. Um, Dogs are often, um, working dogs especially, are often not into food. My guides are not into food. Um, when they're when they're outside in a training class it's fine because there's nothing else (laughs) (laughs) exciting but outside the environment outweighs the consumption of food every single time but what I do with my food is my dogs um, they chase food um, they find food they catch food so I actually attach predatory play get a dope so I said I'm attaching dopamine to food and therefore food becomes more valuable to them dopamine to um, food that's great <laughs> yeah, um so so what then happens as well is is i build up um motivation around 
the dog making a different response. So I just go, that's, there's your impulse. And I build motivation around a different response. So, so I'm not tight with my rewards. People are very much normally, the expectation is usually outweighed by the food reward, yeah. where I like to switch the balance and make sure that the reinforcer um, absolutely outweighs the expectation as well. And you create a mindset. Um, and what's interesting is they do, when you watch them, they do, and I think they, are, I, from what I observe, I think they enjoy controlling their impulses when they can do it. Yeah. So you can see the dog like, yes, <laughs> I yeah. just challenged myself. I stopped myself from doing that. Um, and I remember I got into the, the chase stuff because I had a Leonberger who chased everything. Mm. Um, and she was very much into just stalking and chasing stuff. And as a puppy and my inexperience, she used to chase and stalk my other dog a lot. Um, and she would kind of chase squirrels and birds. And by the time she got to 10 months old, she pretty much was obsessed with chasing anything with a heartbeat. Um, and what she decided or learned that um, if another dog wasn't running, if she ran up to it and went boo, <laughs> it would run. Um, and then she could chase it. So being the... Um, local dog trainer having the Leonberger scaring chihuahuas and chitsus <laughs> in the local park so she could chase them um was definitely not appropriate so um we I went down a training route with her I was advised at the time that the only way I would stop that dog from chasing was with an e-collar yeah, yeah. um and I decided that you know I was a crossover trainer I was new into positive training and I thought there's no way I can stand in my class in the church hall every Wednesday and preach positive dog training and then and then go and do that under this pressure. So I went on a journey with her and there's a blog, I think it's 2010, it's like 10 years old, but there is a blog online um, about the story of how I worked through that with her. And um, that was a really interesting learning experience because in the end, I would say the biggest motivation was that she could control her impulses. And I remember being on the drive one day, I was opening the back of the car and a cat shot past and she was just stood there off the lead and she drove forward. So the impulse was triggered. Um, and um, she literally just threw her paws into the floor and stopped herself. And I remember she just turned around and looked at me with this look on her face as if to say, did you see what I just did? Yeah. Yeah. I, love I wondered if moments. you're going to say that because when you when you explained it, I was like, all my dogs have done that at some point where they've gone, yeah. did you see that? Did yeah. you see what I just did? did. Yeah. I am the best dog. Um, and I do think when, they, when you teach them positively to control their impulses, I believe that um, it's very, very hugely reinforcing for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes them feel good. And I guess that that just harks back to how important our relationship with our dogs is, doesn't it? Because yeah. Yeah. I've got this, you tell me what you think about this. This is not based on science or research. This is just anecdotal from my cases that I see. But mm -hmm. I see a lot of stressed out dogs that have predatory chase issues because I think they're self-medicating with yeah. the thrill of 
chasing. They've got nothing else good yeah. going on in their life, but chasing a deer gives them a buzz, akin to, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever yeah. we have in our society. Um, and the owner often wants the chase thing solved, but we can't do that unless we're, you know, scraping everything else back and starting where it begins, which is with the relationship, really. What do you yeah, think is my I, wacky theory? <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. I think because because when they do those behaviours, you know, and they're chasing is is they're getting an intrinsic rush. It feels good. Um, so, you know, it's and it's addictive. Some dogs become become addicted to it. Um, and sometimes, like you say, it's 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 an outlet. I often see um dogs who are trained within an inch of their lives and even though they're getting treats in their training and being clicker trained there's still there's still no freedom there's still um that there's still pressure on them so when you give that dog is is given an opportunity of freedom then it's going to choose and again that goes back to the emotion i go just because it's doing it doesn't and you're using treats doesn't always mean that it's a positive experience for the dog there's a fantastic Sorry, sorry, carry on. Um, no, you're all right, come on. I'm going, I'm going in. <laughs> I was just going to say, you're, you're talking, what you're talking about there, there's a fantastic um, chapter in the book um, about relationship building. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, what you were talking about that, about how important the relationship is, is with the dog. And there's a nice bit in there about the, the difference between what we what we want from the dog and what the dog wants um, and that difference. And I, I really enjoyed reading that that little bit there. Yeah, I think it's, I think um, if I remember rightly, it'll be: um, Are you achieving your goals or yeah. meeting your dog's needs? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's nice. I like that yeah. very much. I knew you'd like that one, Matt. I'm going to steal that and say that to everyone. <laughs> I'll quote you, Jane. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think again because we are goal focused, um, and if you're somebody who's working in activities and sports, you've you've got goals to achieve. Um, and I think sometimes we we forget about the dog's needs. And I always say to people, if you meet your dog's needs, you will achieve your goals. Mm. Yeah. Um, but if you go straight for your goals you and you don't meet your dog's needs, you know, and they have different needs at different times of their development as well. So it's about sometimes you, you've got to kind of take the training pressure off and um, work on relationship and you, you, you've got to switch to whatever they need at that time to maintain your relationship I think it's very easy during development to 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 ruin your relationship mm. if you're not meeting their needs at that point we talk about that word mm. balance a lot don't we I think as, as dog trainers but so yeah. important getting that balance right and you think I mean I'm guessing in the in the um in the sport in the dog sports world as well um you know you get a lot of people that maybe for forego the sort of the, the settling and the and the resting side of things a lot um uh, maybe you know that they're, they're not looking too much at at times when their dogs can be more relaxed and and and, and harboring that a little bit more yeah i think sometimes um the time some people spend with their dogs can sometimes just purely be training mm. and purely them earning stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like this, this constant pressure. Um, so one of the other courses, which there's a little bit in the book is I did um, a mindfulness in dog training course. I think that was back in about 2016, it might've been. Um, and 
that was very much about um, working with people who were training dogs for sports and activities and, and actually just, you know, taking the pressure off, letting puppies be puppies, um, allowing them to develop at their own pace, building your relationship and just being with them. Um, and, you know, we've done some really kind of cool exercises. One of the um, exercises I did was, a shaping exercise and it's a little bit similar to 101 things to do with a box but mm. there's a variety of articles out and all you actually do during that session is it, all your job is is to reinforce anything appropriate so the dog gets to lead the session and choose what it wants to do um and then when you withhold your click you're only allowed to withhold your click for one second ah. so so you either get duration or different and it teaches the dog the skill that actually sometimes when I withhold my click, I might want you to do the same thing for longer. Most clicker trained dogs don't know that. Mm -hmm. um, and what was really interesting was the pet owners absolutely got it. They were just clicking whatever. And I remember one of the customers that they're, kind of six month old Vizsler was was by the end of the session picking up a tennis ball and putting it on a dice and wow. <laughs> she, she hadn't shaped that was just the dog getting creative and then what was interesting was the dog trainers were kind of going well my dog can already do all these things yeah and they really struggled to to not have an agenda and not yeah. have an outcome and they really struggled to just let the dog lead the session and I think as trainers we we you know, we're naturally like that. We see something and suddenly go, oh, I like that. I'm going to go with it. Um, and I've done it with my dogs. I remember doing it with Drift. And he um, he went into, he, he would, I just taught him settle. So he lay down next to me and I'd clicked and I withheld my click and he stayed there. And I remember thinking to myself, God, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> and frustrating for me. Um, but he has amazing settle, and you know that day, that's what that's what he decided to do. Um, you know, and then um, I've done this exercise a lot with um, dogs that are also fearful and lack confidence, um, because what they can do is if they go, if they're brave and they go and do something new, they can immediately go back to what I class as their safety behaviour and get reinforced straight away. Mm. Um, and it actually opens up, um, the science in the book explains about the cognitive control process and that safety actually causes the animal to want to explore the environment more, um, and which is what we want, rather than the pressure of, of reinforcing the dog while it's under pressure doing something challenging. So we say, you can do something challenging, you come back and reinforce. It's a really nice exercise for that as well. And it's interesting that when I've done that with dogs who get massively and easily frustrated, I've had owners train that exercise continuously for 40 minutes with no frustration. Mm. Wow. Wow. Because um, the dogs understand because they're choosing the parameters as to yes. how they're behaving rather than yeah. trying to figure out what we want them to do, which Absolutely. is often a source of frustration, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it's really good for confidence. It's really good for positive associations, for trainers, and just from a relationship that sometimes, because we're always doing what we want to do. We never really do what the dog wants to do, do we? Yeah. 
Yes. I don't know. I think I've gone too far the other way. <laughs> what my dogs wanted, and that's become what I want to do: just lie around yeah. in the sun. That's yeah. what they're all doing at the moment. Um, I love, I love that um, that kind of for fearful dogs going back to being reinforced in their safe space, whether that's a behaviour or a place or whatever. So I don't know if you've seen Drax wandering around. So yeah. um, he can get back to his room every time. And we've we've kind of turned that recharging the brave. So he can go yeah. back to his room and go, yeah, I did it. And then he can come back out. And that's been, well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have bothered if he, if I'd have gone right today, we're going out in the garden. Out we go, shut the door. Then it, it just, we just wouldn't get to where we were mm. really. Yeah, there's just yeah. too much pressure. Yeah. I'm yeah, sat absolutely. here actually, I'm, I'm really... I'm willing him because Jack Drax has never come from <laughs> Nat's garden into a, vortex. into a yeah. living room. We, we call it the right. vortex. And every time he comes past, I'm willing that it's going to happen on the podcast live. <laughs> if you hear me podcast. scream, yeah. If yeah. you hear me scream, it's because that's happened. But I don't oh. think it will. But, you know, you never know. You never know, dear. I wonder <laughs> if you could tell me um, something else that I know you do. You, you develop this smart pup box. Yeah, um, which I think is an absolutely <laughs> fabulous idea, and I think yeah, this um, sounds great. Yeah, we'll be missing a trick if you didn't explain it to our listeners because I think there's so many people that yeah, might okay. take you up on that <laughs> offer. So if you could talk a little bit about the Smart Pup. So um, I started Smart Pup at there was the beginning of last year, um, and a friend of mine had actually um, was looking at selling some online stuff, and um, they'd bought like been to the wholesalers and bought all this dog stuff. Um, hopefully to sell online and I remember I was I was I was in bed sending a text sending a message by messenger and I was like oh do you know what you'll struggle to sell online it's not it's not easy and I was like why don't you maybe put a bit of a training pack together and I'm typing this out and then suddenly I went hang on <laughs> oh. <laughs> delete <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that's kind of where Smart Pup evolved from. So originally what I was going to do was, was it was just going to be um, puppy training. And I was going to do uh, training cards and we, we created kind of six um, sections. And then we were going to have a training card um, with, with something on each section and it was going to be progressive. Um, and then the more we kind of sat down and started to map and plan this out is I was like, these tra- I, there's too much information I need to give to people. These cards are just too limited. Um, so it went from cards and ended up as a booklet. Um, and we actually wrote out this, this 12 month, it's a 10 month program. Um, it's very, very, at the moment as it stands, it's very, very um, developmental. So the first box is eight to 12 weeks and it covers developmental potential behavior problems. Um, so in month one, we talk about resource guarding and, and handling issues because they're usually the, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yep. and how to avoid them. It's very focused on play and object exchanges as well as using food. Um, and then the next one is kind of 12 to um, 18, 19 weeks. Um, and it goes up to 12 months. So it's, and it's actually very progressive. It covers a lot of the self-control stuff that's in my book. Ah. Um, so it takes specific exercises and progresses them each month rather than them just doing like cool stuff and cute stuff. It is, it, it's just pet dog training, that pet dog owners, the skills that they need to have, building relationships. 
Um, everything they need for their training comes in the box. Um, so they get treats, toys, training aids. We do stuff for enrichment as well. Um, it's all there in the box and it just gets delivered to their door once a month. Um, the training booklet is 26 pages every month. Um, and they also get a password. So there's online video tutorials as well oh, um, for those that are visual learners um, and everything. Yeah, everything's written for pet owners. Um, so nice and easy step-by-step -step stuff to follow. Um, the idea was uh, people are busy. Um, a lot of people just think that they need six weeks puppy training and they just need to tick that box off. Mm. Um, so the idea is, is it's, it takes them right through adolescence <laughs> and, and, and everything right, right up to 12 months old. Um, they don't have to go out and buy bits of stuff. Everything's there that they need. Um, it's high quality treats, so they're not trying to train with kibble and stuff like that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all there as well. The toys are there. Um, and the idea is, or my aim was that, you know, the dopamine rush of having a big box landing on your door every month would, would keep people motivated um, to, to keep up yeah. the training with their dogs. Have you ever had oh, anyone do, do, the, uh, do the smart pup unboxing video? You know, like that. No, I've like, asked. I've asked. I was like, will someone do unboxing? Yeah, I was I like, I might, have to, I might have to send one to one of them influencers. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Never Things could really take know. off. <laughs> I don't know any. <laughs> you know what happened? They try and eat the treats as well. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, what, is, what is this? What a great um, idea. Amazing. Yeah. So, oh, that sounds brilliant. So it's been it's been hard work. It's been very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> um and and again me who didn't want to uh, write a book has ended up doing 26 page booklets now every month, <laughs> every month. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway my grammar's my grammar and my spelling's improved over the last couple of years <laughs> how do people find it um how will people find it if they want to get involved and subscribe uh so the the website is www.smartputbox.com we also have Instagram and we also have Facebook as well. We'll stick um, links in our show notes to everything. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and find, maybe yeah. you, you might be able to send me some of the uh, links to the mindfulness dog training course and the blog of the, the Learberger blog chase. Belly, my, yes. my sheep chasing Yeah, Learberger. that would be really nice. I, I want to read that as well because yeah. I've seen some pictures of her before, but I don't really know much about her and, and what you guys got up to together. So I'd love to read that. Yeah, she was... Um, I, I always people used to see her when she was older and they were like oh she's just so amazing and I used to say she didn't come like this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first two years were hell <laughs> amazing so you are you um so you're keeping busy during this uh crisis that we're all in at the moment then yeah so yeah, so this week um, I have been um, launching a online um, portal for my for my class members. So for Wagga Wolfins Canine College, where we run classes, um, is I've been creating virtual classrooms. Yep. Um, so we can continue that online. Um, so yeah, I've been busy kind of getting that all up and running and functioning and I've been supporting my trainers because it's new for them as well mm. <laughs> to be working virtually. 
Um, so yeah, I've been I've been busy doing that. I do have um, an online community which I've run since 2016. Um, that started out as um, just pet dog puppy training, but it's kind of evolved and it's actually full of professional trainers and and enthusiasts. Um, and it's nice because it's kind of become like a safe little place on the internet where people they can post their videos, they can ask for support and help. Um, so that's kind of what that evolved into. Yeah. So I have that as well. So I'm a smart put box. So I'll keep me busy. You yeah. are a busy lady. <laughs> you set, you're set up for the apocalypse. <laughs> I am. <Yeah. laughs> well, I, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. I am going to, I'm going to read the entirety got it right here of mission <laughs> control and i'm gonna actually put some of it into work with my little jack russell penny because there's some great oh. ideas in here and i love the little step-by-steps as well there's some really yeah. really awesome stuff going in there so so thank you so much for talking to us yeah thank you jane it's been so lovely speaking to you no problem thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> we'll let you get back to your uh, non-stressful uh, pandemic environment thanks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Whoa. It's the Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh. All that lovely jingle. I love that. Which heralds, which announces the arrival of our Greg Wallace moment um, today. We still haven't tagged or found. We need to get, no. get some Greg involvement. No, um, yeah, it's, uh, how do we do this? I don't know. Let me, let me think about it. Does anyone know Greg out there? If you do, on the off chance. Yeah. Oh, talking <laughs> of Greg's, we got a Greg Wallace moment. Um, Greg, our like, top fan, um, Greg, he's starting his own podcast, Nat. Yes, he is. He messaged us. Yes. I saw that, because so, we're the same person on Facebook, aren't we, when we're Barks on the book, from the book. We have the so. same person, which is scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like a two-headed human walking towards the pub. That's what we are Ooh, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think I think we might be interviewed on a podcast. I would Ooh. love that. Thank you for asking, Greg. Oh, awesome! Shout so, out to the big G. To the big G. Because we're just calling him Big G from now on. Big G, yeah. you're in, right? Um, so from one Greg to another. Um, so this one is all about. Uh, well. The reason that I really liked this is because, um, and we talked about it in the interview as well, um, just about you know, bit of the being the, the whole idea of being with your dog, not putting too much pressure on them, and to hear someone that's in the um, the sports the sports world talking about that um, was really nice. And oh God, yeah, and I, I'm sure there are more people in in sports course, that yeah. have that mindset, like Jane. But it was it's not always been my experience of it. No, you know. Um, and even with some of my clients, you know, um, it can be a bit of a tricky counselling job to say, well, maybe you we need should to give step that a break back. for a little while. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. And, so and again, yeah, I, I really like that. We talked about that, didn't we, in the interview about the relationship building section at chapter seven in the book. Actually, as I've got here about what we want versus what the dog wants, and it's hard for us. So hard, it's so hard for me to get over my ego sometimes in terms of you know um 
not not even talking about dogs, but um, me and Corinne share a business and and trying to like get. You know, I'm always trying to push ideas. I like I come up. I must be a nightmare to live with. I come up with like a million <laughs> ideas a day, trying to push them and uh, you know and uh, trying to get over that idea that you know it's it's not what it's always not always what I want is the right thing to do. Um, and I think if we apply that to our dogs, sometimes even in the pet pet dog world as well as well as in the yeah and do you know what might be a really good thing to come out of all this pandemic horribleness teach me um okay here we go i'll go ah guru (laughs) um is you know maybe it will teach us all to slow down a bit and be very 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 grateful for what we've got i love that because i think there's so much pressure for things to be done now and more and build more and do more and be more successful and actually uh when it comes down to it we're all just fleshy blobs that could be killed by a virus so maybe we should all just calm down and have a happy life trumpet balls that is thoughts from nat (laughs) thoughts Thoughts for the day bedtime stories with natalie light the sister behaviorista um so yeah this is all about my greg wallace moment is all about um it's called searching together so there's a little passage here that i want to read out so spend time with your dog when you're simply playing there are no particular rules you're just having fun if you have a dog that likes to search and use his nose explore environments together if you see a rabbit run and your dog misses it guide him to the scent hey look what i found Making use of rewards that indulge the dog, such as finding fresh scent, will have a bigger impact than food. You can also use hidden food, but scent that triggers instinct is much more powerful. I like it goes on to, to talk about like how you can like search, um, spend that time together. But that's something I do with I can't remember, I'm not I'm missing crediting someone here, but the whole idea of of you know, going out and, and noticing when your dog has found a scent or, or, or is looking at something. And it might, I, I get down quite often with Penny onto the floor and I'm like, what have you, what have you found? I'm looking, I don't see anything half the time. Um, <laughs> but I love, I love just getting involved in it. I love getting involved in it. I'm a, yeah. And I really think she likes it. I think she appreciates it. I might be projecting yeah. there, but I see her little face and a little tail wags and she looks up and goes, yeah, yeah, there's something down there, something down there. And I'm looking around and she's looking around. and Well, they're, they're social creatures and so if they choose to share uh, share something with us then we should be grateful you know um i love it when i know we talked about it in the interview of that kind of moment of like did you see what i just did yeah i love those little look backs or you know if if um fish finds something like a peg in the garden and he brings it over and he's like look what i found it's the best peg ever (laughs) and you know you could just go yes a peg mate calm down but actually if you go oh my god wow what have you got and he's all wiggly and happy and it's just lovely i bet everyone as well listeners um you know professionals we've all seen that moment of look look what i just did we all know what that is all our eyes will light up when we hear that and uh, our ears will be pricked for want of a better expression um but obviously jane goes on to then uh you know looking through different things and how you can apply this in terms of sniff and searching and little step by steps through the book it's brilliant it is a brilliant book um and i'm i'm really looking forward to doing some stuff with penny out of this as well um so yeah more power more power write another book jane yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ain't got enough writing in your life at the moment how about another I one know. what do you reckon <laughs> so there we go that's my greg wallace moment that was a very good one and um yeah from everything i've heard um i am really looking forward to reading this book because i think it's going to be 
really, really, really useful because, you know, a lot of our work with our clients is about um, our owners feeling empowered to be able to kind of feel in control of their dog. That doesn't mean they are in control, like a remote (laughs) control, but, um, you know, if you have a slightly different mindset and you, you know, you go hunting with them when it's safe and all that kind of stuff, it can really help with the relationship element. And then you're less likely to be that person stood there panicking in the woods, waiting for your dog to come back. Which is brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) No one wants to be that person. I have been. We've all been there. On occasion. So there we go then, folks. Um, uh, uh, a different episode, I think. Um, although we did, we covered I hope most of our other stuff. It off. Yeah, of course we have. Because usually we have. we're kind of we're together in the studio. There's yep. a bit of banter. Yeah. Hopefully we've managed to still get the banter going, even though we're indeed miles apart. Miles apart. Um, before we do go, uh, yeah, I just wanted to read out our little in, in praise of dogs. Got my little book here again. Have you chosen one? I have chosen one. It's the shortest of all the ones today. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's quite funny. Uh, so here we go. You ready? This one's called Hum- yes. Human Qualities. And it's by uh, a man called Alexander Pope. Very short. Get ready. Blink and you miss it. Okay. Histories are more full of examples of the fidelity of dogs than of friends. Full stop. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. That's, oh. a, that's an observation by Alexander Pope there. Um, well, and that's I, a very nice observation. I, I think he's right. Yeah, fidelity of dogs. But but um, because of what's happening at the moment, I, uh, I went out uh, last night for the old clap, the NHS. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was incredibly emotional. I, I don't take much to get me emotional, actually. I'm a big soppy, wet flannel sometimes <laughs> when I wander around. But... I really, really enjoyed it, and I, I think enjoyed is that the right word? But I, what I, what I am observing is, is kind of you know when people are in a crisis, of course we're all stressed and we're all you know and the news is like fear, fear, fear and all that. But mm. if you can step away from the news a little bit and and look on, look beyond it and look to communities and things, I love the little stories of everyone pulling together and people becoming friendlier and. And everyone helping each other out, and uh, j- just it came to a head last night with that clap in the NHS, which was quite an amazing thing. We stood outside our our front door, and there was little horns blowing, and people. Yeah, whooping. we went out in the garden as well, and um, I was saying to some of um, my dog friends on Facebook, it's probably the one time that I just let the dogs go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Usually I'm worried about them yeah. barking and annoying our neighbours. Not that they're particularly barky yeah. in the garden, but um, they were a bit like, why is everyone hitting saucepans and all sorts? And I yeah. thought, you know what, guys, join in, go for it. Just let it go, yeah. Yeah. I was a bit concerned about possible fireworks. I did hear one in the distance, but hey, you know, if, if it's just for five minutes, then we can all manage that one, I, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, although the fidelity of dogs is normally better than the fidelity of human beings, maybe, yeah. I think um, yeah. I think in this day and age, you know, we're learning a lot of different things, aren't we? We're learning different ways of being, different ways of, you know, distributing wealth and stuff. And before I go into politics and things like that, but I, it, there, there's some interesting things coming out of this. And it'd be interesting to see what happens afterwards, because we will get through it, obviously um so uh you know afterwards how how it all ends up 
I hope we do end up with some changes because yeah. I think we needed a bit of a shake up and um, to kind of get back to basics a bit. And it's it's lovely here. I mean, I know the weather's been nice, but it's lovely here mm. to hear like the kids playing out in the garden and people just sat out and chatting to my neighbours over the fence from yeah. a minimum of two metres blah, 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 <laughs> before anyone moans. Snogging um, your neighbours over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think I think I hope that once things calm down, we don't just revert. Yeah, yeah, which seems like a very human thing to do. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. One thing I have noticed has been great having a Jack Russell that chases planes. There's not a lot of planes in the sky at the moment. And that's, no, that's been blooming marvelous. I tell you, that's yeah. been that's been lovely. Penny's been wandering around looking up. Where are they? Where are they? No, not yeah. there, buddy. <laughs> And we've we've been able to do so much more with Drax because we're both here. Yeah. Um, that, that you know, I, I was worried we were doing a little bit too much at one point. Yeah. He was like, "I'm exhausted. Yeah. I don't want to go out in the garden again." Leave me alone, um, human. <laughs> but today he um, he uh, took a pig's ear off me, and we all went up the top garden. He laid down on the grass and ate it while we were there. Wow. Rather than taking it off to his safe place, he laid in the garden with us. So. I, don't, I don't know if anyone reads the reads the notes that I painstakingly put together for this, um, but we always always include a link to um, Drax's galactic adventure in there. That is, if you want to know how Drax is getting on, um, daily daily posts from that on there. It's brilliant. More it's than daily at brilliant. the moment. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, I have hours of footage of him and people said they're not going to get bored so i'm taking that as a challenge well and i'm trying to bore them (laughs) i certainly haven't got bored watching it's well worth a look (laughs) it really really is so if you're out there and you haven't checked it out go and go and check it out drax's galactic adventure Mm -hmm. on the facebook's um, so there we go then. So in in that spirit, our um our ending song is always uh, Grant Sharkey with the with the song Grow, and let's all Love hope that we all grow um from this experience and uh, learn learn some stuff. Yeah, from the yeah. from the uh, trumpet covered balls. <laughs> I'll see you later now. Yeah, you take yeah, care. Stay stay safe, everybody. Stay safe, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, it's just begun. Stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down.
our genes compete this war is never won numbers increase for reason and peace on mass as one with strong and exists it's our duty to persist resist and fight and defend till the end another's right to all this this place a kiss you can't keep me down you know and i can't keep you down i know and it